Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. This week's episode is being sponsored by myself and Dave in honor of our daughter, Rebecca Kelly Deal Howard. Becca was a strong-willed child and hard to raise at times. She was spunky, had a love for life, and a desire to live life to the fullest, even though her left leg was amputated when only three years old because of cancer, and the last 10 years of her life were plagued with heart issues that became severe enough to need a heart transplant that she was never able to receive. Becca taught us many life lessons as we watched how she navigated through so many deep struggles that went beyond just the physical ones. One of the things people remember the most about Becca was her wonderful laugh. We miss that laugh. We miss her gift of hospitality and overdoing special events. We miss having her live just down the street from us. We miss her singing, playing the piano, and leading worship. This year, on April 13th, it would have been Becca's 40th birthday. Becca, we've missed you for over 10 years now, but we are thankful our separation is not permanent, that each day brings us closer to being with you again, and we look forward to that day when we can hug you and hear that wonderful laugh again. Happy birthday, Becca Boo. Hi. Today we are tackling a difficult topic about turning to alcohol and prescription drugs, things like that, to numb the pain after the death of our child. And I have two guests with me who have experienced this to talk about it. Stacy Snyder connected with GPS Hope a few years ago, and we've had the blessing of spending time together a few times when she and her husband Jeff came to our retreat in Texas. And we've spent some time with them, had dinner together a couple of times when we've been in Texas. And Stacy is also the administrator of our public GPS Hope Facebook page. Courtney Stovall and I just met about a month ago when she and her husband Curtis attended our GPS Hope and Healing Retreat in Georgia. And I want to thank both of you for being willing to come on here and be extremely vulnerable and talk about this. And before we get started, though, I want to give each of you a chance to tell us how you ended up as a bereaver, a parent bereaved of your child. Stacy, can you share with us? Um, my son's name is Brenton Christopher Smith. He was born in 1991 and he passed away in 2015. He was killed in a car accident um, in Dallas, Texas. And we have since, you know, been dealing with that pain and loss through the years. It's been about six years now. And that is how I became a bereaver. Now he was in the military. He served several tours, didn't he? Yes, ma'am. He was in the army and um, spent a year in Afghanistan and then came home and was home, got out of the military and was out of the military about a year before he was uh, killed in the accident. Mm -hmm. And he was actually killed as a pedestrian, wasn't he? Somewhat. I mean, it was kind of an odd situation. He was was outside of his vehicle um, after his vehicle had broken down. Um, He was afraid that People were going to be injured um, because it was early in the morning. It was still dark on the interstate and they were afraid that somebody was going to run, um, run into the back end of him and be either hurt or killed. 
so he was out in the in the road trying to uh, wave people around the vehicle before um, they hit it and was hit by a city bus and killed instantly. Mm. Yeah, oh, I just can't imagine that. Courtney, can you share your story with us, please? So my son, Zachary Tyler, he was born in 99 and passed in March of 2018. Um, he was murdered by fentanyl. and. Um, that is how I became a braver. Yeah, I, I, I like the way you say that. As horrible as it sounds, that really is what happened. He was murdered exactly. by fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you it's just a, a horrible story. We won't go into it here. But so yeah. let's go ahead. And I, I understand that's because of the gruesomeness. I, I mean, both of you, your sons were killed. And I, I just, I hate to say this, but in gruesome ways. So we're going to dig right in on this topic. And I want to ask you first, were either of you light drinkers or like not drink at all before your son died? I'm just curious what your alcohol use was before these tragedies happened. Um, I would socially drink just, you know, if we were, went to dinner, I would have a drink or, you know, if we had uh, people over, we may have just a couple of drinks or something like that. Nothing on the regular, mm-hmm. nothing, you know, just periodically. Mm-hmm. And Stacy, what about you? I agree with that. I was a, I, I'm a social drinker. Um, you know, I would have a glass of wine with dinner or if we were out, we would, we would have drinks um, with dinner. Or if we were out with friends, we would have a beer or have a margarita but nothing substantial. Um, there was no alcoholism in my family. Um, nothing like that that could potentially be a, a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that prescription drugs were also involved for both of you. Stacy, was that something like going to your doctor to try to get something to help you cope? How did that start for you? What happened? So it started the Monday after um, my son's funeral. And I was not sleeping. Um, I was having horrific nightmares. And so I went to my general practitioner and said, I've got to have something to sleep. I can't sleep. I'm not dealing with this. He immediately prescribed me sleeping medication, um, Xanax, and antidepressant. And from that point, um, when I would get to a point where now looking back on it, um, the Xanax was, my body was getting to a point it was used to it. I would go back to my general practitioner and he basically would just up my prescription. And at one point I was taking full four milligrams of Xanax a day. Um, And when I talked to my son, who's now a doctor, when I told him how much I was taking a day, he's like, I don't know how you weren't dead. People who take a half a milligram can barely function. I don't know how you were taking four and still functioning. Because I will say I was both a functioning alcoholic and a functioning prescription drug addict. So I was going to work every day. I was getting up and functioning with my, uh, you know, with, I was interacting with people. Um, It wasn't like I was holed up in my room, not communicating with people. So I was on an antidepressant. I was on the, the Xanax. And then about eight months after my son passed away, I had a car accident and, and it injured my back. Um, And when I went to the ER, they immediately put me on um, hydrocodone. So I got addicted to hydrocodone Mm. as well. 
Oh my. Is it just me? Why would I, to think that a doctor would just keep upping it just because you asked just seems crazy to me. Looking back on it now, I'm thinking same thing. What, what were you thinking? Were you not seeing that I needed other help besides just give me more drugs to make, to numb me more? So now looking back on it, I can see that, you know, you really need to make sure that you're seeing the right kind of physician. You need to be talking to a psychologist. You need to be talking to a psychiatrist because that psychiatrist is going to be able to work with you and make sure that you're getting the right dosage and you're getting the right medication. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't happening in the beginning, probably for the first two, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, I was pretty much self-medicating myself and, and alcohol. So mm -hmm. Courtney, does that story sound similar to yours? Yeah, it sounds a little bit similar. Um, of course, it's right after uh, Zach passed immediately. Of course, I called my doctor because I'm having panic attacks and I struggle with anxiety anyway uh, since I was young. And so um, I was actually already on Xanax from a doctor that's kind of like the one she spoke about if you just ask they'll just write that prescription mm. and um so at one point um he had me up to three two milligram bars a day so six mm. milligrams a day and it's taken me until now to almost get off of the anxiety meds and that's been like almost four years for you right Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. So for both of you, when did the alcohol piece kind of kick in with it? Was there, was it something that just happened gradually? Well, Mine probably happened almost immediately. Um, probably by the time, uh, probably within that first week and a half to two weeks, I started drinking. And within a month, I would say I was drinking at least two bottles of wine a night. And keep in mind, that's along with the, the Xanax, the antidepressants, the sleep medication, the, the hydrocodone when that came on board. I mean, I was literally, I, I can tell you and my husband can confirm it. I was probably drinking at least two bottles of wine a night. Um, and that was pretty much every night. Um, I don't know that there was a night that I did not drink in that first year, two, two and a half years. Yeah. And my thought is, you know, it sounds like you shouldn't be here now. And at the time though, you couldn't have cared less. I, like all of us, um, I, <laughs> if this takes right. me good, good. I'm glad I want to be out of here. Yeah. Courtney, how yeah, was that? Um, looking, Go ahead. Um, yeah. Looking back, um, it's by God's grace and my family's support that I'm still here. Mm. Yeah. Courtney, how was that for you? Well, um, it started the night he passed away. Um, you know, of course, everybody gathers at the house and all this. Well, they bring over beer. And I, like I said, I socially drink before. So I start drinking beer that night because, of course, my nerves are shot. And so um, I drink. Well, then the next day, people are over, they bring beer and so it just one thing led to another and then next thing you know I mean it got to the point where I would wake up at six o'clock in the morning and shoot mini bottles out right out of my ice maker mm -hmm. like I would storm in the ice and wake up and it was 
full blown from then on from mm. the entire day. I drank the entire day. Well, Stacy, you're nodding your head. Did you do some similar things or was it just at night for you? It was depending on the day. So Monday through Friday, because I had a eight to five quote, eight to five job, you know, I was in an office, so I didn't do it in the mornings or during the day during the week, but I would start early on Saturdays and would, wouldn't stop until I went to bed on Sunday nights um, mm-hmm. and drank pretty much straight through. Now, how did you feel? How did you ladies feel as you were numbing this pain through the, the prescriptions and the alcohol? How did it, how did it make you feel? I mean, did it help? Were you feeling worse? Were you feeling ashamed? Were you, I mean, what, what was that like for you? For me, it was all of the things that you just mentioned, really. It was, um, I felt like it helped, let's say. It really didn't help. It helped to numb it. But to be honest, it made it worse. But I had gotten to the point to where I just, I was too far into it that I just, I couldn't stop. I mean, at one point, because I was on the prescription medication, um, I passed out at a restaurant and they took me to the hospital after drinking a lot. Um, And then I went to jail once. Um, I banged my car here and there Mm. all the time. I mean, it was just a lot that I went through that now I look back and I'm like, wow. I mean, I'm lucky to be here, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Stacy, how were you feeling through all of that? I agree. I think, um, you know, as you're doing it and going through it, you're, you're saying that you're, you're trying to tell yourself you're not feeling it. You're not feeling it. You're not, I don't have to deal with it. But in reality, um, you know, I will say, um, you know, the one thing that, that bothers me the most is what it did to my family. My husband and I have been married 28 years and I've never been like physically abusive or physically mean to him. And I got to a point, I was a mean drunk Mm. Um, and we would be out and I would be fine. And he would look at me and say, you're at your point. Stop. I need you to stop because we need to get home. And I wouldn't stop. And then he would try to stop me or get me out of the restaurant or get me out of wherever we are at. And I would get physically abusive and and Mm. slap him and push him away and try to get away from him. And um, when I would get to that point, I blacked out. So in all of my years of having social, being a social drinker and being out with friends and, and doing, you know, going to parties or going to clubs and dancing with friends and having that social aspect. I've never in my life blacked out. Um, and when I started, you know, when I got to a point that I was drinking so much, I, I would get to a point where I would black out. And then at that point, I didn't know what I did. And he would have to tell me the next day what had happened. Mm. Now, you didn't have any other kids at home at that time, right? No, it was just me and Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Now, Courtney, I know this is something that you actually wanted to talk about and share in how it affected your family. Yeah, I mean, it did. Um, I mentioned earlier that I went to jail. I went to jail just for what she was talking about. I was just attacked my husband, basically. And then I called the police on myself 
because mm. I was so drunk that to me, he had done something to me, not me mm. doing something to him. So then, of course, I went to jail. Thankfully, that got dropped. So mm. um, that's good. But having to go through that and putting him through that and then you know, I, my daughter, um, she'll be 18 this year and she hasn't lived with me since, uh, June of 2020 because of my drinking that I was doing at the time, because let's be honest, I was very mean. I was not someone that's fun to be around, especially when you're, you know, just a teenager. And I put, my whole family through a lot of things that just shouldn't have ever happened. Hmm. Now, Stacy, you mentioned that you were, you were functioning. Courtney, how were you in that area? Oh, no, I was not <laughs> at all. Half the time I could barely even stand. I would think I was fine, but I wasn't at all. I couldn't talk straight. I couldn't, you know, it, it was terrible. Um, I mean, I would just Sometimes you would just come in and I would be in the floor, just laying there, knocked out. Hmm. So my next question, I would like to know, how did this, now I know when our child dies, it affects our relationship with the Lord anyway. It's kind of like, I thought I knew you, God, and now this, and then you add this on top of it. How was your relationship with the Lord through this? Did you feel him like still giving you grace and you were crying out to him? Was it something that you were pushing him away along with your family? Uh, how was that for you? Oh, 100% I was pushing everybody away. I was mad at God, you know, and there's still days, you know, now, six years later that I still get frustrated and have my days. And, um, but, you know, Somebody, and it may have even been you, Laura, that made the comment that you say you're mad at God and you're yelling at him and you're asking him why. And, you know, you're wanting answers, but at least you're still talking to him. You're still, Mm -hmm. you're, even though you're mad and even though you're Mm -hmm. yelling at him, you're not turning your back to him. You're at least letting him know how frustrated you are. And because of God being God, he's going to let you do that. And you're, you, you can throw your, I call it my two-year-old temper tantrum. I can throw my temper tantrum and he's going to let me do that. And then, you know, I'm going to be able to come back to him. Um, but it's, I did, I was so mad at God. And um, there were so many people around me that were like, just talk to him. And I'm like, no, <laughs> he took my child. He left pedophiles. He left murderers. He left all these other people that are so bad on this earth and took my son why why did he take him and not take all these bad people and so um you know and that's still something that i struggle with today but um during all of that and and it's like i said at the beginning it's by the grace of god that i'm still here um and it's by the grace of god that i have the husband that i have that was supportive and and stayed with me because 100% he could have said, this is way too much. I'm out. And he didn't. Courtney, how about you? Yes, I was extremely, extremely mad at God. Um, I screamed at God. I was very mad. And just, just like she was saying, like, you know, in the room that Zach was in that night that 
that he lost his life. There were three other people in there. Zach had just been sworn into the Air Force 27 days before he passed. And he had a job. He had his own place. He had a car. These other three people that were in the room had none of that. They were... Mm -hmm. They had nothing going for them and Zach had everything. So I was just mad. Like why him when there were all these other people in there that had nothing going for them and still to this day don't. So I was just very, very mad because that's not the way that it was supposed to be in my eyes. You know, it's mm -hmm. just, I was just, I was very mad. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it, it took me a long time to get through that anger. Mm -hmm. If I remember right, Courtney, when we were at the retreat, you said that you kept asking God to help you to stop. Yes. Before I got sober, I kept, I would drop even on my way to the liquor store or something. I would, I would ask God, like, please don't let me pull in. Don't let me do this. You know, don't um, make me, you know, hate alcohol, maybe make it disgusting to me, make it, you know, just whatever, whatever it takes, God, just help me get rid of this. And I guess you could say like my heart meant it, but my mind didn't or vice versa, whichever <laughs> mm -hmm. one. But then there was that day when I truly meant it and I was just crying out to God to help me with it. And that was it that was it. I was done. And I knew it. I knew in my mind, in my heart, and my whole body, I was done. And things could not be better since giving it up. And just like uh, Stacy was saying, you know, I'm very thankful for a husband so loving and forgiving that was there for me through all that and didn't give up on me. Because mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd be here either. Mm. Yeah. One of you mentioned, I think Courtney, was you talking about having an episode in the future to have, you know, the spouses who are on the other end of this. And I think that's a really good idea. I would love to have both Jeff and Curtis on in the future to talk about being on, on the side of, of it that they were. But I know both of them and I might lose all control of that episode when they meet each other and get going. <laughs> Uh oh, he must be a jokester. <laughs> yeah, oh, they are both <laughs> just, uh, I'd call them a hoot. They're both uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yes. uh -huh. never dull. <laughs> Courtney, so it was just, you just kept crying out to God, and one day the desire was finally gone. If I understood you correct, you just woke yeah, up one morning. Well, in the beginning, I didn't like, I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to do anything. To be honest, all I wanted to do was die. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just go be with Zach. And on more than one occasion, um, I attempted to try to make that happen. Mm. And thank God that it didn't, you know, mm. because, yes, but God, yeah. you know. And you have two little children now, too. Yes, um, my little surprise babies that I call them. <laughs> I always said that God gave them to me because he knew what I had ahead of me with Zach. But yes. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that God saw that it was not my time uh, mm -hmm. because they do need me and my husband needs me and 
mother children too when they're older. Mm-hmm. So Stacy, what caused you to stop? I think probably I got to a point where I, I just said, I'm done. I, I'm at a point where it's enough. I've done enough. I need to, to get myself straight. Um, I literally stopped everything. I still socially drink, but I literally stopped everything, cold turkey, all the medication, everything. I still have a couple of medications for sleeping because I actually have PTSD um, due to the type of accident that Brenton had. So um, I was having what they call night terrors where Mm -hmm. I would go to sleep at night, start a dream or start a nightmare. I would wake up and when I would fall back asleep, it was like a movie reel that I had put on pause that just continued. Mm -hmm. So my psychiatrist put me on um, a PTSD medicine so that I can get some sleep. So I still do take sleep medication, but for the Xanax and the antidepressants and that type of stuff and the painkillers, that's all stopped. I do have Xanax for panic attacks for those special occasions, you know, the special dates, the birthdays, the anniversaries. Mm-hmm. Um, holidays are really tough for me. Um, so I do have the ability to have something there to help, but it's not something that I have to have in my system 24 hours, seven days a week. The drinking is definitely back to what it was pre-death so I can manage it now and I'm really stubborn Um, my husband will definitely agree with that Mm -hmm. I'm very stubborn so um, you know most people will tell you you can't stop certain medications just cold turkey and I'm like well I did so (laughs) um, but uh, I don't necessarily recommend that for everybody but that's what I did and that's what I had to do um, because I was losing my family my daughter and my son that are here the younger brother and younger sister, um, I was pushing them away and, you know, I was losing my relationship with them and, and I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And now you also, like you said, you have a psychologist that helps you walk through this. So it's not Correct. just some doctor pumping you with something and <laughs> having yep. no accountability on, on yes, that. And, my, and I meet with a psychiatrist to make sure that the meds are doing what they're supposed to um, and adjust them as we need, as we see necessary. So um, I get that as well. Courtney, are you still on anything or seeing anyone or, or have you just been able I, to um, stop and you're done? I, I am. I am still on pretty much everything they put me on, but just not um, the dose. I'm not on Xanax anymore. I'm on, they switched me to a different anxiety med and it's lowered very low now. So I'm close to being off of that, but I still um, am on medications because like she mentioned, I do have, because of the situation that happened with Zach. And so it was very, very traumatic. Mm-hmm. And so I do have severe PTSD. And just like Stacy, um, my doctor did put me on um, medications for night tears as well because I would wake up screaming and it it was really Uh bad but I don't have to take that anymore and that they did have me on something to sleep just in general to sleep I don't take that anymore but um as far as my antidepressant I'm almost off of it and my anxiety med I'm very low on on it as well. So I, I think it's important for the listeners to know and understand that the medication, sometimes they are needed and 
mm-hmm. they're properly administrated, they're needed and there's nothing wrong with it. Because I know sometimes, I don't know, there's something about Christians that make us feel like we shouldn't have to be on medication for mental issues, <laughs> what, you know, what we consider right. mental issues. And it's, it's like our brain is an organ, just like any other part of our body. It can misfunction. It can misfire. It can need help to get things where the, where it needs to be functioning properly. And, you know, thankfully we live in a time where there are medications that can help us do that, but we definitely need help navigating through that and being given what works for us and doesn't take us into a situation like you two ended up in. Right. I mean, I think anybody who goes through a child loss and, you know, if it was a traumatic situation, it's, you know, you can have that PTSD mm-hmm. and um, as long as you get the right treatment, I think it's okay. Yeah. Um, because now I see someone totally different. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I think it's okay. That way they can monitor it. And when the time's right, you can come down on it and eventually go off of it um, instead of just writing a prescription for whatever you say you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, I am fascinated and very happy to hear both of you throughout this conversation have said, thankfully, I did not lose my life during that time because I have things to live for. I have people to live for. At the time, I know you didn't think that. And I, I don't know of any parent, really, moms, I guess, especially, who don't feel like it, some of us, most of us, are not suicidal. Some are, but most of us aren't suicidal. We just don't want to be here anymore. And we just assumed, you know, it was like when COVID came through, it's like, take me away COVID. I don't care. (laughs) But it's interesting to me that now that you two are on the other side of this and you're, you're sober and you're functioning and you're living again, that you both are thankful to the Lord that you had husbands that help you through it, that the Lord was there with you through it and that you're still here. Right. Yes. The two times that it happened, I mean, for the most part, it would be like, you know, I just don't want to be here. It wasn't an actual suicidal Mm -hmm. thing, but many, many times it was real. It was Mm -hmm. real. And it was so real that it was scary, especially looking back on it because, and most of the time when it happened, I was very intoxicated. But I am I'm thankful that God saw that my story wasn't over. Yeah. So, Daisy, I saw you nodding in agreement with all of that that, that Courtney was saying. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as I screamed and yelled the whole way through and hate, hated God, and I used air quotes because mm-hmm. I don't hate him, but I was really, really mad and I was throwing my two-year-old temper tantrum. He was a great parent. He stood by and he let me throw my fit and he let me work through my um, anger and my, my guilt and, and all of those things that you feel when you're grieving. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was throwing it in his face. He, he stood by and he waited until I was ready to say, okay, yeah. All right. I'll listen to you now. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's, that's the parent he is. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to look back and see the the first two and a half years of of my loss, uh, what I missed, because I know I missed, I missed Mm -hmm. so much, you know, I was there in body, but I wasn't there in mind and soul with my family. And so 
I was like everybody else. And like you were saying, I just wanted to check out. I didn't want to feel, I didn't want to think, I didn't want to have to go through that pain again. So it was easier to medicate it and to drink alcohol and, and be numb than it was to face the reality of, of what my life was at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, this has been so good. I would like the listeners to be able to get a hold of either of you if they need someone safe to talk to about this, if they have found themselves in this place. So Stacy, what is the best way for people to connect with you if they would like to? They can actually email me and my email address is A-C-C-T-N-T, the number four, E-V-E-R at yahoo.com. Okay. And I will have that in the show notes in case you didn't get a chance to write that down. You'll be able to go to the show notes and just click on that and it'll send you to Stacy. Courtney, how can people get a hold of you? They can also reach me by email. Um, my email is CD Stovall, and that's S T O V A L L 81 at gmail.com. Okay. I have to ask. I never noticed you had the 81 there. Is that the year you graduated? That's the year I was born. Oh, of course. <laughs> my, my personal one has an 81 at the end of it because I that's the year I graduated. I had to have a number. Well, I was oh, being yeah, born. I could be your mom, Courtney. <laughs> right. So that makes you 22 years older than me. So. Oh, oh, that's just how young I feel. <laughs> So I want to give you each just a chance, like a final thought. What would you say to a listener who may be struggling in this area? Courtney, what would you say? First of all, if they're already on this path, get help. Um, Whatever help that might be, it looks different for everybody. Some people, it was, you know, rehab centers and stuff like that, but I had such PTSD and separation anxiety. I couldn't do that. I tried it Mm. and I I quit, but get help, whatever works for you. Um, Reach out, um, reach out to me, reach out Mm -hmm. to Stacy or just somebody and um, it gets better. Mm. Pray and mean it. Mm -hmm. Because when you pray and mean it, that's when God changed my life. Mm. Stacy, what would you have as a final word for anyone struggling in this area? I agree with Courtney. The one thing I will say um, on top of that is know that you're not alone. You're not the only one out there that's going down this road. Um, You're not the only one that's thought about going down this road. Obviously, there's Courtney and I, um, and there's a bunch of us out there. Mm -hmm. This is not a small group of people. You know, you are, are definitely not alone and reach out there. There's somebody out there that you can talk to. There's somebody out there that's been through it. It's, they've been down that road before you and, and they can help you either get the help that you need or they can help you by explaining what they did or what we did. Courtney and I can walk you through what we've done um, and that type of thing. But please don't feel like you're alone because you're not. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, both of you, Stacy and Courtney. Seriously, I am very honored to consider both of you my friends and to uh, be on this unwanted journey together. Wow. If this is an area you have been struggling in, I hope you are relieved, like Stacy said, that you are not alone. You are not the only one who has found yourself numbing your grief and your pain in this way. And now 
I, I hope that you have hope and maybe even determination that you can overcome this and you can come to terms with your child's death in a way that allows you to move forward without numbing the pain with things like prescription drugs and alcohol. Yes, there is incredible pain, but we all have to work our way through it. And these addictions are just prolonging the process and adding to the grief for your family. If this is not something you struggle with, I'm sure there were some things that were good to hear and to take to heart. Thank you again to both of you ladies for being so open and vulnerable with all of us. As you've heard at the beginning, April 13th would be Becca's 40th birthday. Obviously, if Becca were still here, GPS Hope would not exist, which means none of my books would be written, there would be no podcast, retreats, or other GPS Hope resources. As a way of honoring her and celebrating her would-be milestone 40th birthday, I'm reminding you that we are doing a special Pearls of Hope event. For those who are not on our mailing list, or maybe you didn't catch last week's episode, I'll briefly say that we open oysters with the pearl inside being both a symbol of the beauty of the love we still have for our child, as well as a tangible symbol of the hope we have that God keeps his promises to take something so horrific and turn our shattered lives into something of beauty that is still valuable and worth living. Only God can do something like that, right? An oyster can be ordered in our Pearls of Hope store along with one of several options of necklaces to put the pearl into wear. And we open it live while you're watching, knowing that the beautiful pearl that's revealed is yours to keep. Since this episode comes out on Tuesday the 12th, you still have today and tomorrow to get in on the 40% discount on everything in the Pearls of Hope online store, which means any oyster you purchase, no matter how many and all 12 of the different cage necklaces, both the silver plated and the sterling silver, are all 40% off. Just be sure to use the promo code BECCA40, B-E-C-C-A-40, when you check out before paying for your order. And then on April 13th, Becca's 40th birthday at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're going to go live on the GPS Hope Facebook page and we'll open your oyster while you watch to reveal your pearl. We'll put it in the necklace for you and we will send it out on Thursday. Even if you don't get an oyster, I encourage you to join us on Facebook as it's really fun to watch them being opened and see all the different colors and some of them even have more than one pearl. And I know at this point we're going to be opening at least seven oysters, so it'll be fun to watch. Go to gpshope.org pearls to reveal the story behind why we started Pearls of Hope. You can see some of the pearls that have come out of the oysters, and there's also a link on that page to take you to the store to see the different necklaces you can choose from and to place your order. And remember when you check out, be sure to use the promo code BECCA40, B-E-C-C-A-40. I'll also put a link to that Pearls of Hope page in the show notes. As you know, today's episode was sponsored in honor of Becca's birthday. And before we go to the birthday segment, I want to let you know how you can sponsor an episode in memory of your child. It's only $50, and all you have to do is go to gpshope.org 
hover over the donate tab and click on the sponsor a podcast episode and it will take you where you need to go, which includes picking the date of the episode you would like to sponsor. And I'll also put a link to that page in the show notes as well. The last thing I want to mention before getting to this week's birthdays is that I will be on Wisdom this week on Friday, April 15th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time to talk about this topic of numbing our pain in child loss. Now, I know we're heading into Easter weekend, and we could also talk about that and how you feel about it. I hope to have a few of you to click the microphone button and join me in having a conversation on the Wisdom app. And I'm really glad to announce they now have the app going for Androids. So if that's why you haven't joined me, go to your app store and find Wisdom. The logo is a white silhouette of a person with purple headphones and a background. I also know they're talking about changing that logo, so hopefully that'll still be it so you know you're getting the Wisdom app that I'm on. Okay, let's get to our birthday segment. Malish Caspian Arova was born on April 11th and is forever nine weeks. Megan Small was born on April 11th and is forever 21. Michael Rhodes was born on April 11th and is forever 18. Carter Braun was born on April 13th and is forever 15. Rachel Pilcher was born on April 13th and is forever 41. Rebecca Deal Howard was born on April 13th and is forever 29. Brandon Matos was born on April 14th and is forever 23. We know how important our child's birthday will always be to us, and we celebrate the day these children came into the world. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, just go to gpshope.org birthdays, fill out the form, submit it. It gives us the information we need to be able to do this, and I would be honored to share your child's birthday with our listeners. God's love for us does not change because of our deep struggles. He knows the devastation that the separation of death causes. Jesus came to take our place to shed blood for our sins. Shed blood is the price to pay for sins. Life is in the blood, we're told, in the Bible. And the shedding of blood from animals was the old covenant to cover sins. But we live in the new covenant where Jesus came as God in the flesh. God came as a human being and shed his blood as the final and ultimate sacrifice for us. Through that death on the cross and three days later, his powerful resurrection, which we're getting ready to celebrate. And through that, we have been forgiven of every wrong thing we have done in the past and every future sin we will ever commit. It has already been forgiven. And it's up to us to accept that wonderful and incredible gift of forgiveness. But did you know that Jesus also paid the price for our guilt and our shame, you can find a lot of scripture on that. You don't have to carry the guilt and the shame. There is no guilt. There is no shame. There is no condemnation for you when you are in Jesus. 
All you have to do is turn back to his love for you that has never changed. It's not based on how good or how bad we are, how much we've messed up. It just is. Just like our love for our children, it just is. God loves you. He loves your child. He loves you both so much that he knew that your time here on earth together would not be long enough. So he made a way for you to be with him or her forever. Until then, God still has good things for you here. I know it may not seem like it, but he really does. And I hope you can start to see that, especially after listening to Stacy and Courtney today. I have asked Stacy and Courtney to join me in reminding you to hold, hold on. Pain, pain eases. eases. There, there is, is hope. hope.